Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Michelin Cross Climate 2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, everybody? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire! What, Thursday, February 25th? The month is just flying by, is it not? Uh, got some great reaction so far from hosting Undisputed this week. Thank you very much for the kind words, uh, except for 76ers fans and Clippers fans who are just destroying me in my mentions all week for stuff I've said on the show. It's like, hey, guys, chill out. Relax. <laughs> uh, calm down. It's the middle of February. There's a long season left to go. Um, also, great reaction to the Albert Breer interview on yesterday's podcast. You guys uh, really seem to enjoy that. And I have to say, Rob G and I like to dig through the numbers. We're looking for anything we can find, any nuggets. Kind of looking for a needle in a haystack, right? We're doing five pods a week. And for whatever reason, um, the numbers for the podcast we did earlier this week regarding the Cam Newton video and Steph Curry being trolled, all of a sudden mushroomed, and it's one of our largest audiences in the six months. Now, we have been growing as a uh, podcast for sure. Actually, it's been a little longer than six months. We started in August, but for whatever reason, that 
episode is flying around. I don't know if it got caught up in some message boards or on some uh, Reddit um, action or whatever. But uh, thank you guys for sharing it and uh, obviously subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Um, We have a good episode today coming up, an interview with a guy who just got hired to contribute to ESPN's draft coverage, Matt Miller. Um, We disagree on some players. Uh, He's got some interesting insight on some wide receivers. We do agree that wide receivers are going to be falling in the draft. I will be gambling on the NFL draft. Uh, We will be doing stuff for Fox Sports. Um, Definitely stick around for that. It's a good way to make money. Listen, nothing's a slam dunk in gambling, but if you can read between the lines on some stuff and um, having gone to the combine and talked to some people, I kind of have, I've had a good couple years um, betting on the NFL draft. So definitely uh, stick around for that real quick uh, before we get to the interview, just a couple things. Um, First of all, I don't care about Lakers jazz in the middle of February, end of February, whatever you want to call it. Um, The jazz are at home. The Lakers are a wounded animal right now. Um, I think the better story by a mile um, probably will get, you know, glossed over. But have you looked at the second half schedule that came out for the Lakers? Um, I said this on Undisputed. I don't think the other guys knew it was coming. Um, I don't know if anybody said it, really. I mean, it's out there. But according to basketball reference, the Lakers had the easiest schedule in the NBA in the first half of the season. Their second half schedule is absolutely brutal. They have eight sets of back-to-back games and a seven-game road trip. Okay, Lakers fans, I don't want to say be very concerned, but this is the kind of schedule where if LeBron really is chasing that MVP and he's going to play a bunch of back-to-backs is where you can start to get worried about the potential for overuse and injury and wearing down before the playoffs, okay? I can't say it enough. LeBron and the Lakers had a 71-day offseason, shortest in the history of sports, NFL, MLB, rugby, soccer, whatever. 71 days, okay? LeBron is 36 years old. Under no circumstances should he be playing all those back-to-backs. Joel Embiid doesn't do it. Kawhi Leonard doesn't do it. These guys are much younger than LeBron. LeBron, man, please be smart, okay? It ain't about the number one seed. There probably will be some fans come the playoffs. Um, but LeBron's won, what, two Game 7s on the road? He won Game 7 of the Finals on the road? He won Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, in Boston? Um, yeah, like, come on. It, it, home versus road, not the end of the world. Getting there matters. And these eight sets of back-to-backs, I almost think LeBron's being punished in a way. Yes, punished because of his take on the All-Star game and ripping it and like saying this is dumb and we shouldn't do it. And, you know, they hand out the schedule and they want to break LeBron. Like, I mean, I know the NBA has to get in the games. They got to pay the players. They got to make their money. The billionaire owners have to cash in. But the reality is um, this is potentially bad news for a lot of the marquee players. You just cannot wear them down and have them getting injuries. There is an avalanche of evidence supporting how bad back-to-backs are uh, for these players, especially with the travel. Now, I know they've they've dialed back some of the travel on the back-to-backs, so it makes it a little advantageous to the body. But I'm telling you guys, like, Anthony Davis coming back, I don't want to see him doing back-to-backs. And I, di- I will say this. I like the idea of Frank Vogel realizing, hey, man, you know what? I'm going to tinker. I'm going to throw in Jared Dudley for seven minutes 
in the first half of a game. Jared Dudley coming into the Jazz game last night had played, I believe, a total of 13 minutes this calendar year. And Vogel tinkered with the starting lineup. He got Horton Tucker out there. He got Morris out there. Um, he threw Dudley into the fire in the second quarter. Like, he is just messing around. And uh, I kind of dig that. They're going to make a move here, folks. The, the waving of Quinn Cook is a sign, but we've now gone too far on LeBron. Let's get to our, um, our interview with Matt Miller, who uh, covers the NFL draft for the DraftScout.com and is now a contributor to ESPN. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into the podcast. You know I love the draft. I do stuff for Fox Sports, a mock draft. We had Albert Breer yesterday. We had Daniel Jeremiah recently, and now we're hitting it hard. Matt Miller, founder of thedraftscout.com. He just was named an ESPN contributor. Matt, how are you, man? 
I'm doing well, Jason, man. I've been following your work forever, so it's good to finally get a chance to catch up and talk. I appreciate it. Yeah, that may not be a good thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> once you're around for a while, and you know this, uh, somebody's always remembered something dumb you said. And, uh, you know, we say a lot of stuff. It uh, comes with the territory. Right. But, um, you know, this is a strange draft, to say the least. Now, the cool thing is, you know, sometimes I'll know the guest and we'll bat around topics. You don't know any of the players I'm going to ask about. This is, you know, because it gets a little bit fun because, listen, I'm not going to bore you with, um, hey, man, I need, I need you to break down Trey Lance for me. I, I think what the audience really likes is a question like this, and I'll start you with a quarterback um, situation. So Mac Jones, the kid out of Alabama, is, you know, allegedly rising on draft boards because, hey, man, there's a, you know, there's a need for quarterbacks in the league. And right. I, I don't, I can't tell if it's being forced or not. He had one good season. You know, people are skeptical about that going back to the Bill Parcells strategy. Where are you on Mac Jones? And do you think he belongs in the first round? You know, I'm with you. Cause I've heard it all week too. Of like, Oh, Mac Jones is rising up boards. Oh my gosh. Look at Mac Jones. I don't see it. I think in a normal year, he would be a second round pick mm. in a year where we don't have 11 teams that need a quarterback in the first round. I think he's a second round pick. And so I understand, you know, people who look at him and say, Oh, he's a winner. He's accurate. You look at the numbers. My job, I feel like, is to try to get to the bottom of all that and see, did those numbers come because he was thrown to four first-round wide receivers over the last season and a half, being protected by first-rounders on the offensive line, handing off to a first-round running back, and you have Steve Sarkeesian calling your plays, right? So, like, the bed was made perfectly for this player. That's not to say that Mac Jones isn't good. It's just how can you watch that and know that he's the guy? How can you watch that and be like, you know what? If we draft him to the New England Patriots, who have no wide receivers, the offensive line's a mess, how can you feel good that he's going to elevate the team around you because you've never seen him do it? You mentioned Trey Lance. Dude's thrown to North Dakota State wide receivers. And they've got some good players in Fargo. None of the receivers are going to be drafted this year. You know, even, even guys like uh, Trevor Lawrence. Amari Rodgers is going to be a third or fourth round pick. They don't, they don't have a, a number one wide receiver this year. And Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are really good at Ohio State. They're both young. They're both going back to school. And so I think with Mac Jones, it is the hard thing of what's different about him than these guys. Like what, what would make him rise above the more athletic players, the four quarterbacks ranked ahead of him, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, whatever order you want to put them in. The four quarterbacks ranked ahead of him all have a stronger arm. They're all more athletic and they all did more with less. And so, you know, we could be sitting here in two years, Jason, and it's like, you know, Mac Jones is the next Kirk Cousins. He's a good quarterback. He's a starter. Whomever drafts him was right. I was wrong. I just don't, I don't see anything that he's done that makes me think, yeah. oh my God, I, you know, I'm a Niners fan. If they draft Mac Jones at 12, I'm going to cry myself no, to sleep that night. There's you no know? way that happens, right? No, I no hope shot. not. 12. Um, well, you mentioned you think he's a second round quarterback and this is a weird trend. Uh, you know, it's a small sample size, but it, it almost is like quarterbacks now are either we really, really like them first round guys or eh, we'll take them later in the draft. If you look at like the last, I wrote down the last seven quarterbacks taken in the second round, only one of them has hit, Derek Carr. I mean, I liked Hackenberg coming out of Penn State, total bust. Geno Smith has done nothing, Osweiler. I liked him. <laughs> you liked Osweiler? Yeah, listen, some people like uh, Kaiser, yeah. the kid out of Notre Dame. I liked him. Um, Drew Locke, we'll see with Jalen Hurts, but... You know, if you're if you're tagged as a second round quarterback, does that mean basically you're a developmental guy? Good luck sticking, because that's where I'm hearing about Kyle Trask maybe is a second round pick. 
Yeah, I think, you know, that's probably how, you know, when you talk about for all 32 teams, if you're drafted between 33 and 64, it's like your developmental guy, mm. you know, like a Jalen Hurts. But I also think it can mean that there's a hole to your game. It used to be that there were like 15 to 18 players in every class. You'd say, that guy's a first rounder. I will put my name on it. I would draft him in the first round. Now it's like we try to find 40 of these players instead of being critical, especially about quarterbacks. And I think one problem that's happening is supply and demand. You know, I mentioned it. Say 11 teams that need a quarterback. Still, there aren't that many out there. What Even when you add in free agency and some trades that we think will happen, there just aren't that many quarterbacks available. So I think what happens is a guy like Mac Jones, who's a good player, a really good player in college, I think teams almost look for like confirmation bias. Yeah, have you ever, I'm a big true crime guy. And a lot of times in true crime, you hear about these detectives who will, they'll have a suspect. And instead of looking for evidence that proves someone else is the suspect, they look for evidence that proves that person is guilty. And I think when Mac Jones right now, people are looking for evidence that he's the guy instead of looking at the whole picture and being like, you know what? The arm strength isn't there. He's not a good athlete. Like, how is he different than your players who we would normally say that's the second or third round player? It's because he went to Alabama. It's because his numbers were really good. Um, and I, I, at risk of going all quarterback here, final one, um, you know, listen, everybody puts out a mailbag, an update of what they're hearing, and there's going to be a lot of chatter because, you know, without an actual combine, I think filling the void is just going to be, you know, a lot of uh, bluster, if you will, but you hear yeah. some stuff, you read some stuff, Justin Fields suddenly tumbling down draft boards, <laughs> you know, I, right. I mean, it, if you just isolate, you know, his incredible game against Clemson. I mean, that's a top five guy, but then you look at the body of work and you're like, eh, I mean, how, how far do you think Justin Fields could fall? Are we, you know, do people really like him as a top 10, top 15? Can we stretch it to 20? Does he maybe get to the Patriots? You know, I don't think so, Jason. I think right now, like people are bored. I can't imagine a scenario where he gets past number eight overall. It's like people can sit here when you don't need a quarterback, just like with Mac Jones, when you don't need a quarterback, it's easy to pick this guy apart. But when you need one, it's very easy to fall in love with the traits. And I've said before, Justin Fields is my number two quarterback in this class because if you're going to ask me to bet on traits, which is what you're saying with Zach Wilson at BYU and Trey Lance at North Dakota State, you're telling me, hey, here are the traits. I got to sell you on this dude's upside. So if we're selling upside, Justin Fields is bigger. He has a stronger arm. He's more athletic. He's played more big games. It's like, why would we not take that guy? The guy who's two seasons in the Big Ten as opposed to, 17 games at North Dakota State, and I like Trey Lance, by the way, or two very average, below average seasons in the Mountain West, one great year with Zach Wilson, who's going to be 6'1", 205. I would rather have Justin Fields. I've seen it for two years in the Big Ten. I've seen it in the college football playoffs. I saw it even at Georgia when they put him in those stupid packages where they just made him run the ball all the time. (laughs) He has all the tools. He has all the traits. So if you're going to – I understand Trevor Lawrence is the dude. He's a god, right? He's the number one prospect. When you try to poke holes in his game, people just get mad at you. And so I understand that. But of, of the other quarterbacks that get first round mentioned, like we got to talk about Justin Fields as having the best potential of any of those guys. So if you're selling me potential, if you're selling me hopes and dreams, I'm going to take bigger, stronger, faster, and more tested. And that's Justin Fields. Uh, when you think about the idea of production versus, you know, disruption, a guy that jumps out is Jason Oway at Penn State. Yeah. Um, edge rusher who is a freak. And and I will say, you know, I, I know LeVar Arrington well, um, and he's training Oway out here in, in California. 
and he's hyping him. And everything I've heard from him and other guys working with him is, man, this guy's a freak. But he had zero sacks. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and, and, I mean, I, Matt, I'm assuming, you know, you get the ESPN, they got to have you watching tape of all these guys for hours on end. What do you see right. on Jason Oway? And is he a first-round guy? Yeah, I'd say that was what I was doing leading up to ESPN. My time between Bleacher Report and ESPN, I had a couple months where I couldn't work. I couldn't work anywhere. You know, so you're waiting for your contract to run out. So I was just watching tape on these guys all day. I think the thing with Jason Owe is, like you said, no sacks this year, but he had five last year. Yeah. And so there was production. I think this year, a shortened season, late start to the season, things were just weird. I think you said it perfectly, though. Disruptive, not productive this year. And the crazy thing is, I, I think Jason's still the best that ball is ahead of him. Uh, I pulled up my notes while you were talking about him. And here's what I had. One coach from Pitt State told me they had timed him at, him at 433 yeah. in the 40-yard dash at 6-4 and three quarters at 253 pounds. That's mm. stupid. Like that, you can't coach, right? Can you teach a guy to dip his shoulder and like slap some hands away of a tackle? Of course you can, all day. You cannot teach 4-3 speed at 254 pounds. And so when I look at OA, Normally, we would call a guy like this a workout warrior, you know, or a combine riser. Combine, yeah, Somebody, yeah, yeah. you get to Indy and it's going to be like, he's going to blow the doors off Lucas Oil. We're going to be talking about it. I think that hype is starting early because people know what his pro day is going to look like because LeVar Arrington's telling everybody, because his agent's telling everybody, right? Yeah. They know he's a special athlete. And so I think with OA, it's just going to be that the risk versus reward. You got to roll the dice on a guy who didn't have any sacks last year. I think he had six tackles for a loss. He had a lot of hurries, but he didn't, he didn't get any sacks. You got to roll the dice on that. Of Here's an elite athlete who maybe doesn't have the production. And I believe the year prior when he had the five sacks, wasn't he opposite uh, Gross Matos? Or was that was he there two yeah, years ago? He was. Yeah, so he was opposite Gross Matos. So, and, so you know, this year he was opposite Shaka Tony, who's a decent player as well. But So, um, yeah, so can you say, well, oh, yeah, he produced when he was opposite a, you know, early round NFL player. And then, look, he's not opposite anybody and he can't get to the quarterback. Like, I, I, that's the tough part of the evaluation. How, so would you, you think somebody takes a flyer on him in the first round or no? Yeah, I think I could see late first round, depending on where the run on edge rushers happens, because Miami's got two guys, Gregory Russo, Jalen Phillips. They're both going to go in the twenties. Probably yeah. quitty pay from Michigan. Probably going to go in the twenties. Aziz Ojolari at, at, or at Georgia, excuse me, probably going to go in the top 25, 26. So I look at teams, you know, like the New York jets with their, their second pick where they at 23 overall, I believe they need an edge rusher. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Bud Dupree's a free agent at 24. They could use an edge rusher, or, or we could see teams trade back in. You know, Baltimore, Yannick Ngakwe, and Matt Judon are free agents. They could select him at 27. So I do think there's a good chance that, that he is at least a top 35 or 36 pick huh. just because of that athleticism. So okay. and, and that's, you know, he's just a, it's a good edge class. But as we were saying with Justin Fields, he's, he's just the most, athletic overall he definitely has the best burst of anyone in this in this group yeah, so you say it's a good edge class but matt like uh you're not talking about even going in the top 10 and yeah so we just deep, saw it super right? bowl right where right. shaq barrett dominated and uh jason pierre paul had a good game they rode those guys to the postseason i mean if you're breaking down the most important positions after quarterback what are you thinking left tackle edge rusher and cornerback pretty much right yeah definitely those I mean, are the ones. Do, do you think somebody reaches early for an edge rusher in the top 10, Quiddy, um, I, yeah, Quiddy Russo, Pay at Michigan. Do you, yeah, do you, it, it wouldn't shock me, Jason, but I think the bigger thing is what happens with these quarterbacks because if four go in the top eight, then you know, does Denver take a pass rusher? I know Von Miller, like, there's some yeah. smoke around some stuff there, maybe you know, Dallas, maybe 
But I think more likely like the Giants at 11 is probably where you would start looking at an edge rusher coming off the board. If, you know, the, the corners are gone, if the, the wide receivers are gone, then maybe maybe the Giants start that conversation. The Niners at 12, you know, Solomon Thomas didn't work out. They could be looking for someone opposite Nick Bosa. Chargers, uh, Melvin Ingram's a free agent. The Vikings try to get Yannick Ngakwe. That didn't work. They ship him to Baltimore. So I think 11 to 15 with the Patriots, there's a sweet spot for pass rushers. And then again, in the 20s, there's another group just of almost every team in the 20s needs one. So it sounds like some position group is going to be falling. And again, it's February. There's a lot to happen. But Matt, I, I can't get over it. For some reason, I have a feeling that wide receivers are going to be the one that falls. Like, uh, what happened know, last the, year? the numbers are out there, right? Yeah. The smallish, smurfy receivers who go early usually don't produce. Now, it could be that they're going to crap teams, bad organizations, shuttling through the coaches. But, uh, I mean, do you think Waddle and Smith are locks to go in the top 10? No, absolutely okay. not. All right. No. And, you know, last year, if you and I had sat down late February last year, it would have been like Judy, Ruggs, and Lamb are locks to go in the top 15. One of them went in the top 15. Yeah. Ruggs at 12, right? And so I, I do think, to your point, teams are also looking at second-round wide receivers. You know, what is your return on investment, a first-round wide receiver? Most of the best receivers in the NFL were not drafted in the first yeah. round. You know, Dondre Hopkins, an exception, is a late first-round pick. But you know, he wasn't the first receiver drafted the year he came out of Clemson. So I think we're seeing teams like, okay, let's wait. You know, if you're a team in the, the 20s, you're a playoff team, you need a receiver, got it. But I, I feel like we're starting to see a trend that unless you look like Julio Jones or yeah. Calvin Johnson, <laughs> you're not going to be a top-five pick. And so the question this year will be Jamar Chase, who isn't as big. You know, he's six foot, about 210. Will he be a top five pick based on play? He probably should be, but he kind of is falls in the middle of that trend. Right. And then with, you mentioned Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, I, I can see a scenario where they're coming off the board in the early teens, just yeah. because it, you mentioned those positions in the top 10 quarterback, pass rusher, left tackle corner. Those are the four most important positions in football and wide receiver, depending on your scheme, it yeah. falls in there somewhere. But you know, if you're the dolphins, you have three and 18, at three, you should be looking for a blue chip difference maker, someone who at number three overall, you should be an all pro. And does Jamar Chase look like an all pro or does he look like a pretty good receiver? That's what they have to try to figure out. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why, you know, like, okay, let's let's go through it. Obviously, quarterback one, assuming the Jets don't get Watson, quarterback two, uh, assuming Miami doesn't get Watson, it gets interesting. I would assume they go with, the uh, you know, one of the tackles, right? Sl Slater or, or Panay? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, Panay Sewell from Oregon or Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. You would think so, but I think they're a trade-out scenario. I don't want to get too deep okay. into the weeds on that, but I, so I think they are a potential trade-out team. To get a quarterback. To get a quarterback, right. You want to get ahead of Atlanta just in case. You want to get ahead well, of okay, maybe that's Philly. Let, let's talk case. about yeah. Atlanta for a sec. They're, they're one of the toughest teams. I've mocked them quitty uh, just because of something I heard from somebody who I respect. And I got I got text messages like, Jay, there's no way he's going for it. I'm like, all right, well, I, that's Atlanta for me is the toughest to figure out, right? They're not going to need a yep. receiver. I don't see them moving on. Arthur Smith gets the job and then kicks Matt Ryan to the curb and gets a quarter. I, I, Makes, to me, it doesn't make crazy. sense, right? Yeah. So where do where do you see that? And they got five first-round picks. Now, they haven't all played like them on the offensive line. Right. Is it too rich for a cornerback? Where are you on four, Matt? I think it's too rich for a corner. I look at someone like Kyle Pitts from Florida, mm. who is, is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? You call him whatever you want. He's just a playmaker. He's just a difference maker. So you have Julio, you got Calvin Ridley, you know, Hayden Hurst didn't play terribly for them last year after they got him from Baltimore, but 
you're going to roll with Matt Ryan for at least another year, maybe two, right? He's only 35 yeah. and you play in a dome. So you're okay. It's not like he's out in Chicago throwing, you know, missiles against, you know, the, the frigid air in the windy city. So I think you run it back with Matt Ryan and you try to put something around him. You mentioned it. I mean, they've spent a lot on the offensive line, you know, three players that they've drafted themselves, two more that they brought in. And so there's not a defender that you look at there that's a huge yeah. difference maker. So I, I think it has to be has to be someone on offense or, you know, or Terry Fontenot says we're not going to be picking this high very often. Let's get our quarterback of the future while we can. Yeah, when you're analyzing, you know, uh, mock drafts, and I know a lot of the people say, hey, I'd rather just do a top 50 list, you know, wait till the later for the mocks. But how much do you take into account new GM, familiarity with the GM, uh, what they've done in the past, things like that? Oh, it's everything. It really is. I, I try to I try to put myself in the seat of that front office with that pick. So when I do mock drafts, it's like a it's a long, exhaustive thing for me. I don't just sit down and write down 32 names. It's okay, if I'm Atlanta and I make this decision, how do, you know, what do I do in the second round? What is that what am I looking at in terms of future contracts? And so I try to stay really organized with Google spreadsheets to basically say, here's yeah. your team needs for this year, here's your team needs for next year, here's your cap situation. Here's the scheme that we run on offense and defense. And so trying to be as you know organized as possible to make that right pick. I know fans don't always like it because yeah. fans don't like anything. Don't but, like you know, you, you really do try to be to make the best educated guess in the absence of intel. As we get closer to the draft, just start to hear things of Atlanta's kind of going this direction or that direction. And you can usually get the position right, if not the player. But. You know, mock drafts are a, a thankless process, that's for sure. That's for sure, yeah. So l- let me ask you about Arthur Smith. So in Tennessee, you know, was it his idea to use Derrick Henry as a battering ram 370 times or whatever last season? Or was that Vrabel saying, this is what we're doing? Because, you know, you look at that offense and you're like, they don't need a tight end. But I agree, Pitts is a phenomenal player and he he might help that offense go to the next level, but they have no running back to do what Smith was doing in uh, Tennessee. Right. And I think that's something where in round two, round three, they have to look because you would assume that Arthur Smith is going to, you know, go with what worked for the last two years there, right. just pounding Derrick Henry into the line, taking some of the pressure off the quarterback. But as you said, you have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones, you have Calvin Ridley. You're not going to completely go away from your identity. So you don't, you don't necessarily need a 245 pound running back carrying the ball 25 times a game. You might keep some power run elements in your system, but you don't completely you know, go to that and go to that only. So I think you could look at someone like Javante Williams at North Carolina, mm. who's 220 pounds as a second round back. Uh, if you get into round three and you like the medicals on Trey Sermon from Ohio State, that would be an option. Uh, on day three, someone like Ram Stevenson from Oklahoma, who kind of did a little bit of everything for them before late in the year where he just took over those tailback duties. Uh, he dropped a little weight, is down to, I think, around 225. So there are options where you don't have to, you know, it's not you don't draft Najee Harris at four overall because you're coming from Tennessee where you had Derrick Henry, right? So there's a lot of other options there. Uh, Sean Wade, Ohio State, just a perplexing uh, player. I mean, last year, well, sorry, two seasons ago with Akuda, I mean, he looked amazing. You know, Sean Wade was a great, and then they, I guess, had to kick him outside this past year, um, and, and it, it wasn't good. Well. Um, no, what it do was you ugly. think? Do you think they try to whoever takes him? Do you think they try to move him? either to the slot, to a safety position? What, what's your best guess on Sean Wade? Yeah, I think to the slot, like you said, in 2019, he was he was really good there, you know, because he was protected by Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda on the outside, two first-round picks. And so he was able to hold his own. I mean, we saw, you know, we saw uh, in the national championship game against Devontae Smith, like he could not keep up yeah. with Devontae Smith. And, and Devontae is a great college receiver. He looks like a really good prospect. But, I mean, it was just 
it was sad. It was pitiful. So I do think that we'll see him get moved inside. I, you know, the way teams value different scheme fits is always unique. It's always interesting, but I have him at like 100 overall on my wow. big board. And, and it's just, I do think somewhat I mean, wait, you know, well, hold on, Matt, Matt. coming in, coming into the season, he was projected probably top 20, right? Right. He absolutely was some of that based on the, the though, season, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. The season before and reputation, I always like, I try to be careful with those because you, you know, there'll be things like, Oh, if Cardell Jones had come out after those three games, yeah. he would have been a first round pick. And it's like, I, Woody, like they would have poked holes in him. The interview process might've got him lack of experience. Like cooler heads would have prevailed, you know, in January after watching him throw, you might've been like that dude's first rounder. You got four months where, or you can calm down a little bit. Right. Yeah. That's interesting on Wade 100. So didn't he opt out and then opt back in? I don't remember if he was one of those guys. I think so. Ohio State had quite a few of those. Yeah, they it did looked have like they weren't going to play. You I know, hate, it's like, hey, we're, we're out. Bad. And now we're back. It seems like the guy probably cost himself a lot of money. But again, if he can play, it doesn't matter. He's going to get that second deal anyway. All right. another uh, One more guy. Dylan Moses, the Alabama linebacker. Obviously, medicals are going to be a huge issue um, for him and a lot of other players. But just speak to a little bit the narrative about Alabama players being ground into dust by Nick Saban and his staff. Well, it goes both because they're ground into dust, right? They're just road hard. And and then sometimes you look at it, it's like they're pro ready. You know, it's okay. like you've been coached so well at Alabama. You might be coached better at Alabama than you will be in the NFL. Your strength and conditioning is going to be top notch. You know how to be a professional. I think Nick Saban heard that about himself and has changed it to some degree of – you know, we know that we're a little hard on our players that maybe they come into the NFL, they're, they're injured. That was the thing like four years ago. It was like Alabama prospect. You want your own doctor to check them. Cause there's probably some stuff that they needed done that didn't get done. That perception has definitely changed to where they've become more player friendly. They've, I think they've innovated a little bit, but that is definitely, you know, something that used to be out there. I think with Dylan Moses, you know, Dylan didn't help himself last year with the, I'm going to declare. And then his dad is like, he can't declare without the approval of like, <laughs> The, the kingdom or the tribe or whatever. And he's like, so I'm not declaring, I'm going back. And then, you know, he, he was coming off an injury. He didn't even play last year. So he comes back this year and he's, he's rusty. He's stiff. Yeah. I thought by the end of the year, he looked pretty good. Like we started to see shades of the dude that we saw two years ago, but you know, it's just, that seems like a messy situation mm-hmm. where, you know, it's like nobody wants the NFL version of the ball brothers. Like you don't want to deal with the parents <laughs> on top of the wow, player. Right. I didn't, so I didn't it's know like, that when, Holy cow. when you have, you know, and that's one of the things like you hear a lot about it, like these quarterback dads or like football parents mm. where you just, you don't want to deal with that. You want to, you want to like your professional coach your professional strength and conditioning guy. You want to, to help these players achieve their results and achieve their best potential. And, and sometimes that's hard to do. So uh, Dylan's uh, definitely an interesting case though. All right, so uh, last one, purely speculative. Uh, speculative, sorry. Um, most likely team to trade down in the top ten. Uh, to trade out of the top ten, out or down? Yeah, out. Either one. Uh, I think Miami is the the huh. team most likely to get out of number three, just because you know, as we were saying before, unless you love Jamar Chase, like love, love, love you could maybe even still slide down and still get him, right? Because, like, the Falcons aren't taking a receiver. The Bengals are going to go tackle uh, at six. The Eagles – I mean, the Eagles could be the team that would take a wide receiver there, but they might have to go tackle. Yeah, they got Dillard. Yeah, so it's like – I think the Dolphins – they don't need to, right? They have plenty of picks. They got a lot of capital, but it just feels like the value at that spot is not great for what they actually need. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. All right, Matt Miller – 
Uh, congrats on being uh, named a contributor to ESPN. I'm sure we'll see you all over for the next few months and uh, continued <laughs> success, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you so much, dude. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.